0: A young med student with his life ahead of him vanished after a night out with friends. For over a decade, his family searched and held on to hope, even without any real leads. Did he simply leave to start a new life? Did he die in an accident or by suicide? Or was something more sinister at play? This week's episode is The Disappearance of Brian Schaefer.
1: This has been a hot one that we've had many, many requests for what we realized uh, via the beauty of Facebook and their <laughs> popping up old posts two years ago.
0: Yes, Brian Harrington. <laughs> our our dear friend
1: Brian Harrington that everyone knows and loves at this point.
0: <laughs>
1: what did he, he posted,
0: post? Uh, it was uh, the on November, I want to say a couple, you know, it was a, a couple days ago, the end of November of 2018 and he tagged us both he posted it on his own timeline but tagged us both and said last night I couldn't sleep and went down a rabbit hole that led to the 2006 disappearance of Brian Schaefer and decided I could use the internet in a way no one ever had to solve this mystery from my bed at 3 a.m. <laughs> I don't know why but it didn't work and then he tagged us and said please help <laughs> and you said emphatically right away together we can solve this to which I responded let's do it and two years later here we are here we are
1: <laughs> And what I love about that post is he speaks for everyone on the internet. Yes. That, I mean, this is one of those uh, internet sleuth, armchair detective cases that has just taken Reddit, the internet, tons Mm -hmm. of forums by storm, that everyone thinks they have the theory of what happened in this case.
0: And you see on the posts, on the forums, somebody will come on and say, you guys already know the background. Anyway, just wanted to let you know my theory. And, of course, they think they've come up with something mm-hmm. totally off the wall. And all the comments are like, we already thought about yeah. that. And here's five reasons why it won't work. And just like pss, deflation. I read
1: one today that the this Redditor was very confident. It was, here's my theory. It's rock solid. And then I was reading it. I was like, <laughs> this is not even close to rock solid. And then every comment was like, rock solid? Really? Here's a thousand holes I'm going to poke in this. It was Complete conjecture and speculation, all of everything he was saying. I was like, and that's the thing with this case. There is no rock solid because mm-hmm. there's no clues. There's yeah, yeah, there's, there's a video to... and there's a couple people that were with him that night. Apart from that, there's nothing.
0: Well, they were with him until the most important moment yes. and then they weren't with him. Yes. So really all there is is stuff that happened before the incident. There isn't even like... You know, you always say you wanted to solve, if we could pick any crime, so- solve like Jean Bonnet. Well, there's at least pieces of evidence there. Mm-hmm. There's a body, there's a crime scene, you know, things, uh, uh, possible uh Tangible evidence, weapon. suspects. Granted, the cops touched all over it and messed sure. it up. But there's, here, it's literally nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. And so. that's what, these are the cases
1: that um, when people ask, what what cases would you like solve the most? It's cases like this. These are the cases that I enjoy covering the most mm-hmm. and that also keep me up at night because I like puzzles. I like mind puzzles and trying to figure mm-hmm. things out. And that's what this is. But also just thinking about the closure that it would provide for the family. His mm-hmm. poor brother yeah. at this point has lost so much, but... Yeah, these are the cases that, like Bryce Laspisa, the Lost Girls of Panama, all of those cases are the ones that stick with me the most because
0: they're unsolved. Yeah, and and even with like Ray Rivera, you want to know what happened, but you at least have a body and Mm -hmm. you at least have like a cause of death. Maybe you don't know exactly how that cause came about, but you at least know some tangible closure. You're not burying an empty casket yeah. or in this case not at all leaving the door open hoping that you'll hear from him right yeah it's something about the hope versus you know you don't want to lose the hope almost you don't you almost like feel like as a family member i owe it to them to like hold this flame mm-hmm. you know like keep this candle lit but also from a healing perspective yeah. like at what point do you need to say i'm never gonna see my brother again yeah it's and so that's, hard yeah
1: that's what keeps me up about these cases is putting myself in the shoes of someone like this. And yeah, when do you move on? Like you mm-hmm. said, I mean, cause you, you never want to give up that hope. Like maybe he's out there somewhere, but at the same time, does it become at some point unhealthy?
0: Yeah, I guess it's you- how,
1: how you deal with it and how you handle it and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly heartbreaking. It's certainly one that has gripped the internet for Over a decade now, and Mm -hmm. we've had just alone, I did a cursory search of people that have suggested this. We have Brian, we have Rachel B., Linda Gilligan, Lilius, and Jen Davidson from Capital Chips. She's sending us some free chips, by the way. Oh, nice. Not because we covered this. This was before.
0: It (laughs) it just just We don't say
1: like, yeah, we'll do your case if you send us free stuff. (laughs) Grease the wheel. Yeah, so we've had a ton of suggestions for this, and I've wanted to cover
0: it ever since we did Bryce. So Mm -hmm. I'm uh, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. And I don't know. We don't have that far of a reach. But maybe somebody knows somebody that knows something. You know,
1: again, yes, I'm not saying we're the ones that are going to break this case. And it's going to get solved. Several podcasts in the past few years have brought attention to old cases and cold cases that are getting the attention they deserve now, and some have even been solved, or they're on the way to being solved. So yeah, I mean, any podcast that covers a case that's unsolved, if anyone out there knows anything, contact Crime Stoppers, and we'll give Mm -hmm. that number at the end. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. Brian Schaefer was born February 25th, 1979, in Pickering, Ohio. To Renee, a nurse, and her husband Randy. Brian's parents doted on their sons, Brian and his older brother Derek, and encouraged Brian's incredible tennis talent. Soon, though, Brian traded his racket for a microscope and followed in his mom's footsteps, joining the medical field. So he is almost my age. Mm-hmm. I'm January fourth, nineteen
0: seventy nine. So yeah. Oh wow, yeah, right at gosh. Mm-hmm. And just think of all that you've done since two thousand six, right? Yeah. And that's that's life that he either didn't get to lead or is living somewhere else. Living
1: somewhere that no one knows about, right? Brian began medical school in two thousand four at Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. He had attended the same university for undergrad, earning a degree in microbiology. Despite being busy with school, Brian made time to visit with his mother, who was battling myelodysplasia, a type of bone marrow cancer. In his first year of medical school, Brian met Alexis Wagner, a fellow student. Alexis spotted Brian in one of their first classes and mentioned to a friend that she found him cute. That friend told Brian, and the two began dating. Alexis called their relationship normal and happy, though centered around medical school.
0: Yeah, she said they were it was real flirty and cute at first. They went to a concert together and then went out on a couple of dates and then kind of became inseparable after that. And just a normal, you know, when you're when you are meet somebody in undergrad or grad school, you're like, OK, let's study together. OK, what what classes are you taking? What classes am I taking? So they're just a cute little couple.
1: And med school is so demanding, too. that yeah. If you're with someone that is going through the same thing, you understand that, like, I can't go out tonight. We you, mm-hmm. we have we have stuff to do if yeah. if it's somebody in med school and then someone i don't know like myself that was a psychology major perhaps <laughs> you're not as understanding when they can't spend all their time with you really i never, I never dated away. somebody that was pre med though
0: yeah that's that med school is worse than law school <laughs> you think by far oh yeah it's longer there's so yeah. much more involved and it's so um uh, there's it's like test based like they make you take a test part way through and it's a whole deal yeah that, well, that then determines after, then, like, what you yeah. specialize in, and it's a whole thing. Yeah,
1: it also gets confusing. Most of what I know about how it all works is from Grey's Anatomy. But after <laughs> nice. you, you know, graduate, then you have, like, residency, mm-hmm. and then you have internships, or maybe those are reversed, and yeah. You there's all
0: kinds of, yeah, it's just it's, years. You yeah. don't get into it. It's interesting that, uh, as we'll learn about Brian's personality, that he chose this lengthy career path. Yeah. On March 6, 2006, Renee lost her years-long
1: battle with cancer. According to Brian's family and friends, his mom had been his confidant and hero. Although Brian was understandably sad, those close to him said he handled
0: her passing well. It's not easy to lose a parent, but yeah, they didn't say, oh, he," you know, he started drinking, he wouldn't get out of bed. It was just like, you know, I, I think with something like cancer, you yeah. it's kind of coming and you can emotionally prepare yourself. Especially yeah. if he's a med student, he probably understands statistics and how... The treatment was working or not working. Yeah,
1: definitely. Before she passed, Renee had gifted her son and his girlfriend, Alexis, a trip to Miami for their upcoming spring break. The couple was looking forward to the vacation, seeing it as a time to heal and an nice break from the stresses of grad school. It was also rumored Brian would be proposing to Alexis while in sunny Florida. The trip was planned for April 3rd. However, just days before they were scheduled to leave, Brian disappeared. March 31st, 2006, was the last day of classes for Brian before spring break officially began. He had been nonstop studying for exams all week. At a steak dinner that night with his dad, Randy noticed how exhausted Brian looked. Despite having a long, tiring week, Brian told his dad he was going to meet up with a friend after dinner.
0: There's nothing you could do in situations like this. You know, you can't go back in time, but... You just wonder if he was like, you know what? Dad was Mm -hmm. right. I am tired. And he had gone home and gone to bed that night. Yeah. Well, and some
1: say, as with any of these things, a lot of it is, well, this person said this and this person said that. Um, Some said that his dad didn't even say anything to him at dinner. He just kept kind of kept it to himself. So in that case, you also wonder, as the dad man, if I had told him, like, Brian, you shouldn't you shouldn't be going out tonight, you know, mm-hmm. if you would to listen to him. And he did tell reporters later that he didn't understand why he was going out because he was so exhausted. His mom had died just three weeks earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had this trip coming up, but perhaps that is why he went out.
0: Yeah, he, blow off some steam.
1: Yeah, and school was over, and he wanted just to get his mind off things. Around 9 p.m. Brian met up with his friend and former roommate, William Clint Florence. According to findbryanshafer.com, at around 9.30 p.m., the two men landed at the Ugly Tuna Saluna, a bar located near the OSU campus. At 9.56 p.m., Brian called Alexis, who was home visiting her family in Toledo, and told her he loved her and that he would see her when she came back to Columbus for their trip. Brian and Clint then left the Ugly Tuna and walked nearly two miles down to the Arena District in Columbus, an area known for concerts and bars. Along the way, the men made several stops, imbibing in a shot of hard liquor at each bar, according to True Crime Society. In one of the bars, the North Short Tavern, they met up with Meredith Reed, a friend of both Brian and Clint. The three enjoyed some drinks before Meredith offered to drive them back to the Ugly Tuna and offered the inebriated guys happily accepted.
0: So pretty much up until this, everybody knows where he was, what, yeah. what he's doing, who he's with. Yes.
1: Nothing out of the ordinary at all. That we know of.
0: Yeah.
1: CCTV footage puts the group ascending the escalator to the Ugly Tuna's entrance at 1.15 a.m. on Saturday, April 1st. Timestamp footage at 1.55 a.m. shows Brian in the lobby outside the bar at the top of the escalators talking with two girls. He appears to make a goodbye gesture before heading back toward the bar and out of the camera's view. That footage is the last time Brian was seen alive, wearing his olive green short sleeve polo shirt with a white long sleeve shirt under it, jeans, Adidas tennis shoes, and a yellow cancer awareness bracelet.
0: Yeah, so you see him go from the—I mean, it's—there's places like this in Chicago. I don't—are there places like this in Dallas? Yeah, the uh, place—well, I don't think it's an
1: escalator, but— oh shoot what's that piano bar pete's oh. doing piano bar in addison Yes, it's kind of upstairs up. it's stairs you have to get up. but yeah there's when um there's bars like in an area that's almost kind of like an outdoor mini mall or something mm-hmm. like that or yeah and you go like there were doors at the bottom that led interior and then like you go landing up, yeah you go up an escalator and then the bar was on the top floor,
0: mm-hmm. and there's a second landing, and then you have to walk past the escalators across the landing into the bar.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is where things start to get. I don't even want to say weird because you really don't know if anything weird Mm-mm. was going on. But this is the only footage that anyone has. He mm-hmm. he enters the bar by all accounts. Mm-hmm. He's seen then forty minutes later or something talking to these two girls mm-hmm. who. Don't appear to be friends because nothing is ever mentioned that the girls say, oh, yeah, that was our friend Brian or like, no, it's just he was talking to two girls outside the bar. So it could have been girls he just met at the bar. Maybe they ran into him at a bar earlier and then ran into him at this bar or something Mm -hmm. like that. Then when he turns around to go back, this is where it gets a little tricky because he goes in the direction of the ugly tuna saloon, which is yikes, quite <laughs> quite a name,
0: but there's no camera showing him actually going back in the bar, correct he walks so the camera is facing down the escalators, yeah. and behind the camera is the door, so he walks towards from the escalators toward the camera, out of the camera's view, presumably through the doors of the bar because that's all that's there, yeah,
1: and there's no footage him of him going back down the escalator, so correct I mean it, there's. It's 99% proof positive that he went back in the bar. Yeah. After the bar closed at 2 a.m. and security turned the lights up, Brian's friends looked everywhere for him, but he was nowhere to be found. They checked the bathroom and all around the club. When those efforts yielded no results, both Clint and Meredith repeatedly called Brian's singular wireless silver flip phone, but got no answer. Brian lived in an apartment in King Avenue about a 10 to 12-minute drive from the bar. After being unable to locate or reach him, his friends concluded that he must have made his way back home and fallen asleep for
0: the night. So, I mean, I'm I'm not disparaging the male sex, but I feel like if I was a girl and I was out of the girl gal pal and I couldn't find her, I would freak out immediately. I would
1: not leave you at a bar and no. think you, you left. At the same time, it's 2 a.m., that's what time bars close around here. True, and they're looking all around. The staff's looking for him. No one can find him. They're calling. I would have them. called the
0: police that night.
1: Yeah, I think that's what. And but I I really do think there is something like if it had been Meredith, they couldn't find.
0: May have been different. Maybe
1: it it would have been different. And that's especially back in two thousand six.
0: Yeah. I mean, But also, if you're if you're used to hanging out with a crew that's like, I'll never leave you, you never leave me. Right. But who knows? They may have been like, we're not, you know, attached at the hip. Leave whenever you want, dude. I don't care. Yeah. You know, it may have been real casual of like, I'm not gonna track him down. He's a grown up. He can do whatever he wants.
1: He was very athletic, six two, very mm-hmm. handsome man. You know, I mean, by all accounts, he could take care of himself. Mm-hmm. The one thing is, and this probably may have played into their decision that he left and they decided to leave was. They're all shit faced. Yeah, you know, I mean, so that's where everybody's thinking gets a little blurred at that at two
0: a.m. when the lights come up. It's true. I mean, and there's no Uber down back then, so maybe they thought he took a cab or cab, walked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that,
1: still... I read uh, on one blog that it was a ten to twelve minute drive, so they concluded it would have been an hour and forty minute walk, which seems like
0: it seems like a lot. A
1: lot, but I don't. I mean, I guess. But also, if you're uh, shit-faced, that's a, (laughs) a long, long walk that you may not even make. Yeah. The next morning, on April 1st, Alexis called Brian's cell, but it went straight to voicemail. Assuming he was sleeping off a hangover, she didn't think anything of it. But as the day went on and she still couldn't reach him, Alexis became worried and called Brian's dad, Randy. Randy headed to his son's apartment. When he arrived, everything seemed to be just as Brian had left it the day before. The bed was made and Brian's car was in the parking lot. However, there was no sign of Brian. Now worried, Randy filed a missing persons report with the police.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, that's gosh. when you start.
1: Yeah. Your stomach drops. Absolutely. And especially, it was very out of character for him, they said, to mm-hmm. not come home, to not be in contact with Alexis or anything. His car's there. His, there's no sign he's been home, though, been mm-hmm. in. I mean, it is a stomach drop moment for sure. The flight to Miami, scheduled for Monday, April 3rd, came and went, but Brian never boarded the plane. The Columbus Police Department then increased their search efforts. Sergeant John Hurst headed up the team and began his investigation with ensuring Brian boarded no other flights. When they were satisfied he hadn't flown out of Columbus, the police turned their eye toward the surveillance footage at the bar.
0: I mean, that's the first thing you think. Hey, you got a, a flight booked. Maybe he, you know, jetted. Yeah. But all you have is that footage. That's all you have.
1: According to Sergeant Hearst, every exit at the Ugly Tuna is covered by a security camera. However, there was one exception. A back door that led to a construction zone. Other CCTV footage from nearby bars was also looked at. Hoping to catch a shot of Brian on the street, nothing was found. So the area where Ugly Tuna is or was—I don't know if it's, it's still no longer this there. Way. It's yeah, something else now. That's something else. But as far as the area, it was known for a lot of crime. Mm-hmm. And one reason the Ugly Tuna and kind of the bars around that area were put in in this um, in the way they were was to attract students to come to the university because it was like right across the street from the campus. Mm-hmm. And to kind of uh, switch the vibe that was going on on down there. However, it was still known for a lot of crime.
0: Mm-hmm. They tried to spruce it up, safety mm-hmm. in numbers, put a bunch of businesses together. But it would make sense then that you would want to have cameras on every yes. door so in case anybody breaks in. And
1: that's why they had all these cameras, was mm-hmm. for that very reason. As the investigation continued, authorities asked those closest to Brian to take polygraph tests. Most agreed and passed including Brian's dad, brother, girlfriend, Meredith Reed, and the two girls Brian was last seen talking to by the escalator. However, one person that was with Brian the night of his disappearance refused. Brian's friend, Clint Florence. So this is one of, I feel like there's like three things in this case Mm -hmm. that we can speculate on. This is
0: one of them. I would say if you and I were out, and you went missing, and I didn't know what happened to you, and they wanted me to take a lie detector test, first of all, I would not talk to the cops without a lawyer. Second of all, I would go tell them to fuck themselves. I would say You wouldn't take a lie detector test? No. No. First of all, they're shitty. They don't tell you anything. And second of all, what if they go, did you stab Christy in the face? And I'm like, No. But then I think about something else and then my heart races. My heart's racing now. And I'm like, oh, God. And they're like, she stabbed her in the face. We know it. We have the polygraph. Like, why would you walk into that lion's den of so for whatever everyone uses this to speculate that this guy's got something going on? I'm just I'm not saying he does or he doesn't, because there's a lot of other factors. But I'm saying personally, and I'm not advising other people, but just me personally, if you're with a person in suspicious circumstances and the police want to bring you in to be a friendly helper and put you in a lie detector machine. No, hell no. Hell no. I don't know. I don't know. And guess what all those other people... Meredith Reed, she she was loose, man. I mean, she, she went, and the two girls Brian was seen talking to, they were at least seen leaving the bar. But Brian's dad, brother, and girlfriend, what are they got to hide? Of course they're going to give a lie detector test. I would... If it were me, I would not, but maybe I'm paranoid.
1: But that's the thing. What have they got to hide? Of course they're going to give a lie detector test.
0: But they didn't... They weren't with him, so there's, you know... Would
1: you? Would it be different if it was a family member? What do you mean? If you were out with Shannon,
0: and they she went missing, and they wanted, and to, a, and I they wanted knew, to bring
1: you in for a lie detector to test?
0: Genuinely knew I didn't have anything to do with it. I would say no, because I have, as his lawyer said, he's told him everything. I would not want him to try to pin it on me. Interesting. I go back and
1: forth on this because, for other reasons we'll get into, I think Clint might know some stuff.
0: Okay, and so I
1: think that's could be why he didn't take the polygraph. I can also see the point of don't walk into that lion's den,
0: and both, and it could be both is true that he saw, you know, we'll get into all the speculations. He saw X, Y, and Z happen, and he is is culpable or isn't culpable, and thinks even if they, if they, if I told him what I saw, they may still try to say I was involved.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day he only he knows what he knows but if he knows in his heart of hearts i had nothing to do with it they could still somehow pin it on him i mean you I've do want to protect, you protect
0: yourself you want to protect yourself i've done too much work with the innocence project i'm like do not go don't be willing and helpful go with a lawyer every time
1: the only thing i i think it would depend if i was out with um my brothers and one of them went missing i would do anything i could To try and solve that case. And I would think it would look suspicious if I wouldn't. I do, and I still think it looks suspicious that he's the only one that didn't do it. I would think it would look suspicious if you and I were out and I ended up dead and you (laughs) didn't. My ghost was like, why isn't Heather going to the cops? I know she didn't have anything to do
0: with this. If if you were a vision at the end of my bed, I'm like, "Ah!" like, tell the police (laughs) what happened.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I do get that you don't want to open up any kind of room for you to be culpable in something that you're that you're saying you weren't culpable in.
0: It's a case where and I'm not S- Sergeant Hurst from all accounts, I mean he's retired now, but he did a great I mean as as much as he could with nothing. He did so much with so right. little in this case. But and I'm not saying he would do anything untoward, but you just don't know. And if it's a desperate police department and he this is a young white fella and he's wealthy, but imagine if it's anybody else. And it's a desperate, yeah. uh, a desperate, you know, set of folks that are trying to solve this. They may be, it wouldn't be shocking for them to resort to unscrupulous methods and misleading lie detector results. I think one thing he
1: would have going for him is that he was a young, yes. wealthy white male.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: While Sergeant Hurst told Investigation Discovery that police discovered Brian and Clint had a verbal altercation in the bar, no other reports indicated there was trouble between the friends that night. If this is true, however, it casts even more suspicion on Clint's refusal to take a polygraph. His attorney gave the reason that Clint had already provided all the information he had to the police. Brian's brother, Derek, had other opinions. As reported on TrueCrimeSociety.com, Derek said,
0: I didn't know Clint very well, but I always thought something was off with him. The way he talked about my brother after he went missing, kind of in a negative way. I wouldn't expect that from someone whose friend vanished.
1: So here's where we get into why I think there's a reason he didn't take this polygraph test. Mm-hmm. If they did get into an altercation at the bar, which literally, Sergeant Hearst is the only thing that either of us read that said that that mm-hmm. happened.
0: Yeah. You messaged me and were like, this is nowhere. I'm like, I didn't dream this. I saw <laughs> no, and the I mustachioed I knew you didn't. gentleman.
1: <laughs> I was trying to find like another source because I always like to get multiple sources, but Someone, other patrons at the bar told Sergeant Hurst they saw them get into an altercation. Who knows what that could have been about? Yeah. If it did happen, even if it was small, that might be a reason you don't want them to take a polygraph. If they say, June sure. you and Brian get into a fight that night about something? You're going to have to say, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then if it's like, was it because uh, he didn't want to listen to uh, the... uh imagine dragon song for the 50th time that you can put it on the jukebox and you're like yeah and then they're like the next headline is
0: Murder friend kills friend. friend
1: over imagine dragon song yes. you know
0: so I there's imagine dragons concert they're a sweet band
1: <laughs> i don't even know if they were around back then honestly it no, was they the first like bro band that i could think of <laughs> really i should have d- said a dope uh, show I should have said Pearl Jam because that was Brian's favorite band. But
0: Yeah, that's right. But yeah, if, if, he, if Clint had said Pearl Jam sucks ass and Brian's yeah. like, fuck you. And, you know, friends do that and yell at each other and go, mm-hmm. oh, my God, like, I hate you. Why would you say that? So it may have been a friendly, silly one, and from if you're the bartender and it's loud and there's a bunch of people and you see, or a patron and you see two dudes like hollering at each other, you don't know if it's like someone going Hillary Swank's not hot, yes yeah, she is, what are you talking about? And they're go- you know yeah. if it's a silly fight or if they're truly you know whatever you owe me money or whatever, yeah. then you don't you can't really tell so. Yeah, but Sergeant Hurst said, you know, we found out that they got into this fight. And so you're right. I think if you're Clint and the cops are like, can we hook you up to a machine and ask you what happened? Hell, again, hell no. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. And then also because of what Derek says.
0: Yeah, yes. He he always
1: thought that the way his that Clint handled everything after he went missing was real weird and off.
0: And it's one thing, too, to go to, you know, the family and say, I'm really sorry with what happened. We all miss him. But the fact that Derek said he talked about him in a negative way. Mm -hmm. That's not a good choice.
1: Yeah. And then again, if on that polygraph, they're like, did you had you and Brian had been having any problems? Was there any reason you would have been upset with him? Mm -hmm. That's probably going to come out one way or another. Yeah. Sounds like. If he was talking about him in a negative way, that he harbored some kind of ill will towards him for whatever Mm -hmm. reason.
0: Yeah, that's true, for sure.
1: With few clues to go on, as many as 50 police began knocking on doors of those in the area, checking dumpsters and even sewer systems for some sort of clue as to Brian's whereabouts. Time and time again, they came up empty handed. To add to the frustration, because of limitations in cell phone technology at the time, and because Brian's flip phone was not enabled with GPS, police could not use the device to track him. The phone's last ping was a text from Clint at 2 10 a.m. asking Brian where he had gone, according to Sergeant Hearst.
0: And depending on what camp you're in, you know, you could say, oh man, Brian just wandered off or got injured or whatever, and Clint was looking for him, or somebody's trying to cover their tracks. It right. just depends on what how, again it's such few straws to grasp at mm-hmm. it's like what picture do you make him into
1: yeah but if he had taken a polygraph and something uh, questionable had come up then that text might become a whole other thing
0: mm-hmm. for Did you send for that the text case. because you truly wanted to know yeah. where he was or because you wanted to look like you thought he was still alive i mean exactly you know. desperate to locate him randy alexis and Derek put up
1: flyers around the osu campus and spent their free time searching back alleys, dumpsters, and bodies of water. Randy had consulted a psychic who said Brian's body was being held underwater by a strong current. With the Olentangy River not far from Brian's apartment, Randy and Derek rented boats and searched the murky waters. Police dogs even assisted in the search, but no one found any sign of Brian. Randy also set up the website findbrianshafer.com. Soon, tips began to come in. While many were outlandish and quickly proven to be false, others claimed they had recently spotted Brian in places like Michigan, Texas, Atlanta, and even Sweden. While each tip was investigated, they continued to lead to dead end after
0: dead end. This is just a family that's just looking for something. And can you imagine on their free time, they're looking on like riverbanks and in the alleyways and dumpsters and heartbreaking. It's just heartbreaking. Also, There's a lot of internet trolls out there. If you go and put a fake tip in a missing person's website, you are going straight to hell forever. There's a special
1: place in hell for people that do that. Who? Fucking assholes. Do that. Yeah, someone that has never suffered significant loss, I would imagine.
0: Did I tell you when I first moved back to Dallas, I lost my dog. She, somebody let her out. Which one, Buffy? No, previous dog. Oh, um, and she has never been recovered. Oh, but really? Yes. And I was devastated and I sobbed forever and I put up flyers everywhere and I like checked everywhere and I put up posts on like Pet Finder and Craigslist and stuff. And somebody, I'm like going to cry talking about this. Somebody, she was a small part chihuahua, part terrier. So she was like a scruffy black dog. She actually looked exactly like Toto from the Wizard of Oz, real uh-huh. scruffy little black dog. She was so sweet. Her name was Princess. And she... Somebody messaged me and said, I saw your dog. She's behind the building at blah, blah, blah address. And I lived in Carrollton and this was in Addison. So those are like Dallas suburbs that are pretty close. Addison's a lot of restaurants and Carrollton's like more housing. So I get this text or this email on my Craigslist ad and it said, she's behind this building. I I like was so excited. My heart was racing. I like sped over. It was a Chinese restaurant. So not only was this person a racist, (laughs)
1: They Are were you like, sure that they didn't I really think them they back. saw
0: him? I messaged them back and they were like, LOL. They said LOL? Yes. I was like, I'm back here behind it. And it says, oh, they must have eaten him already. LOL. Oh, wow. So it was not an actual sighting. It was also, she was very little and it was like long. I mean, it was a 15 minute drive probably. And there was like. Three lane streets on either or six lane streets and stuff, and it was they drove it back. It would back have been impossible
1: said, for her to get back there anyway. Yeah, probably.
0: and they said, and I, I said, oh my gosh, I'm here. You know what, what building? And it was like they must have already eaten her. Lol. Well,
1: if that person is listening, go um,
0: fuck yourself. I hope you freaking get slip and fall behind that dumpster where you're talking shit. about They I say mean, that um, you shouldn't put
1: reward well if you put reward money up on missing dogs or anything and then someone contacts you and says, I have your dog. I'll meet you at blah blah blah. Don't meet you behind the Chinese restaurant. Yeah. It when I lived in Florida, it happened all the time.
0: No way. I would say meet me at the police station because they have those Craigslist swap spots.
1: But people are so excited to get their dog back and then you show up with two thousand dollars in cash and this happened in the neighborhood I lived in when I lived in Florida there was this boston terrier that had been missing forever i was i had a boston terrier so i was like very upset and wanted it to be found and they had a reward and it was the old woman who had lost it mm-hmm. and the people said they had it and the old woman showed up and they beat the shit out of her and <gasps> took her money
0: oh my yeah. god well at least thankfully i don't think i even, i might have said like reward available but i didn't say like i will bring $500 Um, but I mean, I guess that's good that I sped back there and by myself and I didn't get, I was just so excited to find her and then I never did.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a real bummer. And with dogs, people, anything, you're like, what could have happened?
0: Yeah. I mean, in this case, you know, with the dog, I kind of she was very old and she had health problems. And, yeah. you know, you never know. So it's not. And also, I'm not comparing even a little bit. It's not even you one still iota. hope that
1: someone picked her up and maybe gave her yes. a good life.
0: <laughs> That's what I think. That's what I like to think. But, you know, all that to say, it's not similar to losing your son or brother. But there's shitty people out there who are willing to respond, take oh, advantage yeah. of people in in sad situations. And- yes
1: and we'll see that that happens again several times in this. Yeah, some of the tips that came out on this uh com were if I was a family member reading it would be just gutted with yeah. the just um uh, lack of empathy and compassion people can have when mm-hmm. being like, "Oh, I know what happened to your son. Here's what happened. I'm not even going to say that, say it because some of it's so like Oh, they
0: posted on there? Yeah. And so yeah. or they
1: call, yeah, and it's just so insulting and um uh, uh racist, homophobic, uh, just yeah. you know, and you're just like, some his dad is reading this. His yeah, brother, or brother, yeah. His dad and brother who just lost their mom and wife a month mm-hmm. earlier, and now they've they're contending with this. hmm That's grief that few can imagine.
0: Yeah. And Luckily.
1: Then on top of it. Well, even celebrities reached out to the public for information related to Brian's disappearance. At a Pearl Jam concert, Brian's favorite band, lead singer Eddie Vedder, took a break between songs so he could ask the audience to contact police with any information they may have. The band then dedicated their next song, Come Back, to Brian.
0: Yeah, he's a huge fan of a tattoo of mm-hmm. Pearl Jam. Yeah, yeah,
1: I watched the YouTube video of this concert mm-hmm. where they do it beforehand and Eddie Vedder seems legitimately concerned Mm -hmm. and spends like five minutes talking about like, this is what he looks like. This is what happened. This is his girlfriend. We're just looking for anything. And the crowd is very engaged and everything. I mean, if you know that that's and Brian was supposed to be at that concert, too. Mm
0: -hmm. If You
1: know that that this dude, you were their favorite band. You're playing in his town where he would have been at the concert. Good for you, Eddie Vedder.
0: I wonder if you know how uh, Billy Jensen uses Facebook to put videos like this up and then target it to specific areas mm-hmm. if the technology was available like say this all happened not in tw- in tw- 2006 but in 2016 if he if this footage would have gone out maybe in that mm. you know close block radius to every single possible person if there may have been some more leads at the time just because there was just a, uh, they put up flyers Mm-hmm. But you're hoping somebody walks by and the, maybe the one witness was out sick that day. You know, yeah. you just don't know. So
1: a flyer can't go viral.
0: Yeah. But sure. I mean,
1: the video I was watching was clearly from someone's phone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That they
1: had taken. So, yeah, that kind of I think it can. I mean, that's why Billy's been so successful as has, you know, I mean, even things like don't fuck with cats and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like you get these website inter- Internet sleuths on the case and. The Internet is a vast place mm-hmm. that can uh, be both good and bad. But in the cases of these, yeah, you didn't have those types of resources back then to mm-hmm. extrapolate out all that information to the masses very quickly.
0: I'm sure people nowadays got a lot of Internet and a lot of time on their hands. Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. While there are virtually no clues pointing to what could have happened to Brian on that fateful night, there are no shortage of theories. With Brian's mom having passed a mere three weeks before his disappearance, some have speculated that he took his own life. While Brian seemed to be holding it together on the outside, there is the possibility he was grieving more than he was letting on. Did his pain, coupled with the stress of grad school and one too many drinks, lead him to a tragic decision? Friends and family say no. Those that had recently seen him, including his dad, said there were no indications Brian was depressed or suicidal. Sergeant Hurst also believes suicide is unlikely because people who die by suicide typically want to be found.
0: Yeah, the the Sergeant Hurst seemed, I mean, you get from the family's perspective, it's almost like Ray Rivera, where mm-hmm. you kind of say, well, I, I think I would have seen the signs. But he said there was no, in all their investigation that they did, there was nothing that pointed to that.
1: No. And even though we just have a few minutes, maybe not even that long, of the CCTV footage, like... He looks like he's having a good time in both of the shots. He doesn't Walking with look purpose like yeah, into the he's, bar. He's not like um and he would even gone out with friends that night. There was no indication that anybody was depressed or anything like that. Or he was acting weird. He'd seen his dad
0: that night too. So and yeah, if, if somebody was going to, you know, end up taking their own life also going Getting super, I guess there's no right or wrong way, but it just seems like the external elements that were all going around of being with friends in a public place, at a, it would not be a conducive place to that. Yeah.
1: If Brian didn't choose to end his life, is it possible he decided to run away and start a new one? Although Brian's credit cards and bank accounts were not touched after his disappearance, he had received a $20,000 payout from his mother's life insurance policy after her death. According to Alexis, he asked her to just come away with him in the days before his disappearance. He also mentioned to her that if anything should happen to him, she should move on.
0: That is a strange thing to say.
1: Yeah. It's one of those things that at the time you might not think much of, but then looking back, you're like, was he letting me know something? Was he trying to give me a clue or something like that? Or was it just something he said in a moment of, like, grieving his mother's death or something, you know, that really didn't have that much weight to it, but now people are putting weight on it? That's a good point. While Brian was a successful student with a promising career ahead of him, medicine was not his passion. He had a musician's heart and longed to make money off his true love, music. A post on Brian's MySpace page read,
0: I really love music and this whole doctor thing is really just a job. Only temporary until I get my band together and put out a record. I want to own an island someday, or at least a beach so I can listen to Buffett all day and drink margaritas with my senorita.
1: Another MySpace post said that he
0: would... Rather be smoking on the beach with Bob Marley.
1: According to Lori Davis, the Schaefer family spokesperson. Were these simple passing thoughts, or did the death of Renee push Brian to leave the high-stress world of medical school behind, in hopes of pursuing his passion of music and a peaceful beach life.
0: Yeah, if you want a temporary side job, I don't think doctor is the easiest one to pursue. <laughs> no,
1: definitely not. That's um, yeah, it's gonna be real hard to get any other career off the ground if you're in med school and then go into the medical field.
0: Yeah, it's taking up a lot of time, but yeah. maybe maybe that's he was like, well, I don't, you know, I don't have to live up to my mom's expectations anymore. I can just quit. I. This one doesn't
1: sit with me because, one, why would he be planning a trip? Mm-hmm. And there's none of it adds up. Also, if True. you're going to leave
0: your life behind, are you going to do it at 2 a.m. when you're shit-faced? Probably not. I also think if you're seeing how devastated your dad and brother are yes. at losing a family member, you're not going to ghost him.
1: I think it would be... uh I don't think he he didn't sound like the type of person that would have it in him to put his family through something like that. Like heartless. After, and if, yes.
0: you, if you want to quit medical school, quit it. People quit in the middle of grad programs all the time. And it's fine. It's yeah. fine to do. And his dad wouldn't have said, we don't love you if you're not a doctor. You know, his dad nah. would want him to be happy, it seems mm-hmm. like. And same with his brother. So I don't think it was like the stakes were so high that he the only way for him to quit medical school is if he ran away from everything. No,
1: nah, it would, seems very extreme and unlikely. Hoping this was the case, for months after Brian's disappearance, Alexis held out hope. She called his cell phone daily, but it always went to voicemail. Then, in September of 2006, six months after his disappearance, Alexis's heart skipped a beat. Rather than go straight to voicemail, the phone rang. Was this an indication that Brian was alive? Or at the very least, that his cell phone was able to receive calls?
0: I mean, you just imagine the elation oh, this poor gosh. woman has. As soon
1: as it starts ringing, that feeling, we've all Mm -hmm. felt it. Mm -hmm. Adrenaline, excitement, scared, nerves all just building up in your chest. You don't know what you. she said. I don't even know what I would have said if he'd answered.
0: Yeah. You know, God, you claim up. Yeah. Unfortunately,
1: Sergeant Hearst followed up on this lead with singular wireless. They explained that due to a glitch in the system, dead phones can sometimes ring even though there is no cell activity. However, Lori Davis told Investigation Discovery the family still held on hope after that ring. Alexis wrote on her MySpace page,
0: I kept calling it to hear it purely because it was one of the best sounds I've ever heard, even if no one picked up.
1: At one point, the phone also pinged off a tower in nearby Hilliard, but it was considered by police to be a glitch as well.
0: Yeah, Sergeant Hurst said that the way Singular explained it, that if the outgoing call If when the call is calling the phone if it couldn't quickly get to the phone it bounces around towers Mm -hmm. and the bouncing around towers causes the ringing gosh
1: but i can understand how you would still think okay sure i know that's the logical explanation Mm -hmm. but my heart is holding on hope that maybe it wasn't a glitch Mm -hmm. and he's his phone's the anomaly and he is out there
0: yeah, that's what Lori Davis said, too, that the family said, OK, well, we now it's like it reinvigorates you of like yeah. it's been six months. There's nothing. And you get this call and you're like, oh, this is it. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. In mid-September 2008, hope that Brian was still
1: alive was once again stirred when a cryptic message was posted on his dad's online obituary. Tragically, days before, on September 14th, 2008, Randy had been killed by a tree branch that fell on him he was cleaning up after a rainstorm the mysterious message read
0: dad i love you love brian location virgin islands
1: while some were hopeful that this meant brian was alive and mourning his father's death from the island the police traced the post and found that it came from a publicly available computer in franklin ohio it was determined to be a hoax
0: again who is doing this writing on an obituary of a dead man about his son the rest of the family can read that. A soulless
1: and heartless person that
0: probably a 15-year-old kid, you know, like yeah. just ha- doesn't
1: really understand the repercussions that can come from something like that. God, Randy's relentless efforts to find his son before his own death were not in vain. During his search, he met and forged relationships with other parents who had missing children. Eventually... The group helped put before the Ohio legislature a missing adults bill that established statewide protocol for handling cases like Brian's. The bill was eventually passed after Randy's death.
0: Talk about a club you don't want to be a part of. Oh man. I mean, but thankfully you find each other, but still Yeah.
1: But the the families that he talked to said before this they came up with this bill and it was passed and everything, that their cases were just bundled. There really wasn't any protocol on how it was handled. A lot of the onus was put on the families to wow. do searching of their own and everything. Come so on. So now there's, yeah, now there's like protocol for how this, this happens. That's great. Well, Sergeant Hurst maintains that there is no evidence indicating that Brian was subject to foul play. Others speculate this is one of the more likely theories. The Ugly Tuna was located in an area notorious for crime. Is it possible that Brian, for whatever reason, left through the employees only exit that led to the construction site and encountered some unsavory characters with multiple dumpsters and construction shafts and holes in the area around his body could have been discarded and picked up or covered up before anyone started searching for him. This is, um, this is something likely in my opinion.
0: Yes. It's, my theory is closely related to the construction site. We'll get to it with the, this, what do we think?
1: Staff of the Ugly Tuna also reported they had seen Brian talking to the band that had played that evening. Did he leave, undetected, with the band for a possible afterparty? If so, what tragedy befell him along the way?
0: Yeah, because you could say even if he, you know, in the videos and they watch the band leave and they don't recognize him or he put on someone else's jacket or something, yeah. and they say, oh, that's just some guy leaving with the band, then something still happened to him between Ugly Tuna sure. and question mark, wherever yeah. he ended up.
1: Absolutely. For a brief time, police and loved ones speculated that Brian may have been the victim of the smiley face killer, an individual or possibly organized group of killers that some believe are responsible for the abduction and murders of more than 40 drunken white college-aged males. All alleged victims have also been described as athletic, good-looking, and academically successful, according to Thought Catalog. All of these characteristics can be attributed to Brian.
0: That's an interesting theory where it intersects with this. This is one that we get suggested frequently.
1: All the time. And in my research of this, I not only feel like this isn't how he died, I'm not entirely sure this serial killer even exists. Yeah. It's been pretty pretty debunked by most. Name for the smiley face graffiti found near more than a dozen of the victims' bodies, the smiley face killer theory was first introduced in 2008 by retired New York detectives frank gannon and anthony duarte when the detectives reviewed the evidence from unsolved cases dating back as far as 1997 they felt there were too many coincidences for the deaths not to be related
0: and if if it if it's true it's one of those when you hear it on the surface you think oh that is that's a very Mm -hmm. scary serial killer and it's from so so you know they're all over the country or all over the place but, like you said, when you get to the brass tacks of it, there's not evidence that, A, it's the same person, or, B, these weren't just coincidental Accidental drownings yeah, because they were much. drunk. Yeah. In addition to all of the
1: victims having a similar profile, they were also all seen out on the night of their disappearances, getting drunk at local bars or parties. Days, weeks, or even months later, the bodies would turn up in frigid bodies of water in the Midwest, while almost all of the deaths have been deemed accidental drownings. Two of them were found to be homicides. Randy, Brian's father, had been told by a psychic that his son's body would be found in a body of water. Is it possible Brian was murdered by one or more individuals from the Smiley Face Killers?
0: Well, I think you would... I mean, if the other individuals had turned up days, weeks, or months later, and it's been as long as it's been, probably not. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: While there are certainly many similarities between Brian's case and the alleged victims of the Smiley Face Killer. Authorities do not believe this is a likely scenario. For starters, almost all of the victims were found in freezing waters during the winter months. Brian went missing during the spring. Then there is the fact that while some police wholeheartedly believe the smiley face killer, or killers, is real, others find the theory that a cabal of jealous and ugly men are targeting college-aged males as revenge for their jealousy ludicrous, and believe the two detectives that floated the idea made it all up. The FBI has also found no evidence to support this theory.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a theory with no. Uh, you, you're you kind of shoving all the pieces to fit a puzzle yeah. that's not a real puzzle.
1: And reading a lot of the um, comments and stories from parents of the victims that were found and how the two detectives kind of treated them and, and everything, was, it was upsetting. And they flat out said, like, Oh, they just try and get their claws in you. And then once they're done with you, they just dump you. They have no interest in helping you. Oh. And they kind of just made the whole thing up to, I don't know what their motive was, to make a name yeah. for themselves? Or
0: I think that, that the prevalence of the high rate of people who are inebriated getting into accidents and drowning, it's very high. And then on top of that... um. The smiley face is not like that. You found a really specific like right letter or word somewhere. It's like pretty ubiquitous. It's like there was an X over where their bodies were. You know, no,
1: and only like a dozen of these forty guys that went missing and drowned. Was there a smiley face near the location where these detectives thought the body had been dumped in the water? Oh, because it wasn't where the body was found. No, it wasn't where the body was found. It's where they think the body because. Uh, you wouldn't know where the body was going to wash up. True, true. Or be fished out. It was where they thought it had been dumped, but none of them were the same.
0: Yeah. So,
1: and and smiley faces, by all accounts, are like a very popular thing for people to tag. Mm -hmm. So it's just, yeah, I think that they were trying to put a, make something out of nothing. Yeah, sounds like it. Investigator Andre Edwards said that in regards to Brian leaving the bar, that he could
0: say, With 100% certainty.
1: Brian did not leave via the escalator, according to TrueCrimeSociety.com. While the CCTV footage has been reviewed thousands of times at this point, is it possible that Brian did leave the way he came in and was simply missed? One of the cameras constantly panned its designated area. Another camera was operated manually. Could Brian have slipped out undetected mid-frame? Did he change clothes at some point or put on a hat then slip out with the intentions of leaving and starting a new life. Again, it's possible,
0: but highly unlikely. I think Sergeant Hirsch said basically there wasn't a time where the angle wasn't such that they could have seen him leave. You know, there was enough footage that showed every second after he would have, you know, after the last time he was seen, pretty much. I
1: don't think he left the way he came in.
0: No, no, no. Agreed.
1: A scenario that makes more sense is that Brian left the bar through the only other exit, one that didn't have security cameras. It was a service door, used only by employees, and it opened onto a construction site, something that would have been difficult for a drunk person to navigate in the dark. Did Brian stumble out this back entrance, only to fall into a shaft, his body later buried by fill dirt or concrete before it could be discovered? There are also those that believe something more sinister happened, and that the developers responsible for the construction site covered something up to avoid a lawsuit. Again, police believe this is an unlikely scenario as the K-9 unit never detected Brian's scent. Yeah, they, a lot of people think, well, he fell in something and then the construction crew showed up and Mm -hmm. they didn't want to take responsibility for it or miss any time off work. So they just covered his body with concrete. I think that's unlikely. Maybe I'm giving people too much credit. I would think if a construction crew showed up and there's a dead body in the middle of their site, they're not just going to be so callous as to cover it up and acted like nothing happened.
0: I would think uh, just, you know, when you're an employee at a place, you don't. Like you're not gonna put your freedom at risk for your stupid employers. You know you're not gonna. If you see a dead body and the employer's like, "Shut up, see, we're all gonna get sued," you'd be like, "I'm just gonna tell the cops." <laughs> like, yeah. It's also the construction site didn't do it. If it's a drunk person that's fallen, mm-hmm. it. I don't believe they would have been liable if they. If it was like he crawled through a fence or something, you know, if they took reasonable measures to keep people out and he still went in there, that's not gonna be something they're gonna be liable for. So, and even so, they have insurance. So. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those where it's they, the greedy developers were covering up for It's like, it's not like that. They're, no. in this case, it's, if they, if he did fall there and someone found him, I believe they just would have, they would have called it They would have called
1: the cops. Yeah. And I think even if he fell and his body wasn't seen and then it just got covered up, those dogs can smell, I mean, We've all seen that Curb Your Enthusiasm finale, (laughs) one of my favorite episodes of all time. They can smell feet and feet down. So Mm -hmm. I think that they would have detected some sort of scent. Also, there's CCTV cameras out on the back, too, and nothing caught anything, which is, again, weird.
0: Because Mm -hmm. I do
1: think that he left out this entrance, but he was not picked up on any of the other bar's footage.
0: That's what, yeah, that's... The weird thing is, like, which way did he walk? And it's like, Mm -hmm. neither way, because he's not on either of the cameras.
1: Mm -hmm. While Brian and Clint had been friends for many years, Brian's family found it odd that Clint refused to take a polygraph. While Clint's lawyer insisted his client wasn't at all involved in Brian's disappearance, Derek, Brian's brother, has always been bothered by Clint's lack of cooperation. While there is no proof to validate these rumors, there are those that knew both men and believe their relationship may have been more than platonic. Online rumors speculate Brian was gay and was merely keeping up the appearance of a relationship with Alexis to appease his mother. With Renee's passing, some feel Brian was ready to stop living a lie. Could the argument Sergeant Hurst reported occurred inside the bar have been related? Did Brian tell Clint he was leaving that night to start a new life?
0: In an interview with the Lantern, Derek said, If Brian did take off somewhere, if that is the case, we just always had a strong feeling that Clint would possibly know that. I mean, I think if your brother left you and when you can't put all that on this guy's shoulders of, you know, that my brother left to go live in the Virgin Islands and you're not telling me, did he know or did he not? A, they checked all, you know, they checked that he didn't fly out. But if he truly, like we said earlier, it doesn't seem like he would leave his grieving father and brother behind like that.
1: No, I don't think he left to start a new life. I do think that Clint. Might know something, even yes. if it, even if it might be something that is nothing. I think he thinks he knows something that could be something, maybe, yeah. and that, therefore didn't want to implicate himself.
0: Yeah, but that oh well, if, you know, he Clint knows that he left town or whatever. It's like I don't think he left town. So, but what Clint knows, we don't know because he won't do the polygraph.
1: And if there was something going on between them that was more than friendship and they were trying to hide it, that. Could have been what they were arguing about at the bar too, and may- or maybe that's another reason he didn't want to take a polygraph, is he didn't want that to come
0: out. True, that's a good point. That's a very good point. I haven't seen any solid evidence where. No, there's yeah. none. It's yeah. all it's all online rumors.
1: Like, but like all of these theories are. Yeah. Every theory is speculation. There's no, like we said up top, there's no rock solid proof of anything. Mm-hmm. It's all speculation and and what others think happened. Others believe Clint's plausible role in Brian's disappearance may have been more sinister. There are rumors Clint was involved with drugs. Did he offer his old roommate some that night, which led to an altercation, or rather, an unfortunate accident that Clint then covered up to protect himself?
0: Yeah, again, it's more speculation that I didn't see like, well, we were really worried about him because he was taking a bunch of prescriptions or he was doing cocaine or whatever. I didn't see any.
1: I saw a lot of stuff that said Clint liked to
0: dabble in coke. But I meant Brian, sorry.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that might even be why they met up with Meredith Reed that night. Uh Uh-huh. Was so he could get some from her. But no, most people said they'd never seen um, Brian do drugs. That doesn't mean he wasn't that night. There's also those that say... He was looking for drugs, and that's mm. and they got it from Meredith, and that's why he was talking to those two girls at the escalator mm. and and also the band. Interesting. Trying to find something. But if you're not, if that isn't something you do a lot, or even if it is, and you're mixing it with alcohol, and something goes south, and you find your friend passed out or dead in a bathroom or or wherever, and you don't want to be liable, then... What might you do? Yeah, that's a good point. There is also the theory that Brian never actually left the Ugly Tuna that night and instead lays buried in a hidden area that has gone undetected by law enforcement. While this would explain why he was never seen leaving the bar on CCTV, police and canine units scoured the bar multiple times and never found any evidence that Brian was killed in the bar or that his body is in there.
0: Yeah, I think that this this is one that makes quote total sense until you realize that the canine's been in there, and then it's since been remodeled and turned into something else.
1: Yeah, some said he was like the body was chopped up and put in a keg and then wheeled out, so it was undetected. Why? By but whom? that's that's my question with that is like why? And it, uh, again, it would who knows? All speculation would be he saw something he wasn't supposed to see it was drug related um mm. uh, but who is gonna how would there be no dna
0: yeah yeah and especially even so if they chop him up in the bar anywhere in the kitchen in the office whatever the canines would smell yeah, some yes. part of him sure or pants, even shoes. if he,
1: they wasn't chopped up and he was just stuffed in a barrel or a keg or something yeah his scent's gonna be like In a back room, in a kitchen, or whatever, Mm -hmm. and, like, the canines didn't detect anything. Yeah. In an interview in 2016, Alexis said it was close to a year after Brian's disappearance that she finally stopped calling his phone. She struggled with a roller coaster of emotions before finding the strength to move on. Alexis got married in 2009 and lives with her husband and their two sons in Toledo, where she practices medicine as an OBGYN. She told the Columbus Dispatch that she now lives
0: a very busy, full, happy life.
1: Regarding what she thinks happened to her one-time boyfriend, Alexis told the Lantern that she believes Clint is withholding information about what happened that night. However, she doesn't believe Brian took off to start a new life, saying, I don't think he's alive. I can't imagine he would have just done that. Brian's brother Derek also got married to his longtime girlfriend, Morin. The couple had a baby boy a few years later. In such a short period of time, Derek suffered an unfathomable amount of loss and heartache, losing his mother, father, and brother in the span of two years. While he still holds out hope that his brother is alive, he admits it gets harder and harder to believe that the longer Brian remains missing. Still, he, his wife, as well as Brian's numerous friends and extended family, continue to search for him to this day. That is just... He's the only one left in his immediate family. In two yeah. years' time, That's, you lose
0: your whole family. Just like that. I can't believe I Like you said, unfathomable is the right word. It's just it's, it, thinking about that, that you go from a family of four mm-hmm. to three, almost immediately to two, and then mm-hmm. down to just you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's it's so heartbreaking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Brian's family, friends, and those that have worked on the case remain just as lost as they were in April 2006, Sergeant Hurst told the Columbus Dispatch...
0: Somebody out there knows something.
1: If you have any information regarding Brian's disappearance, please call Central Ohio Crime Stoppers, toll-free at 1-877-645-TIPS. You can remain anonymous.
0: Hopefully somebody at the bar or a construction worker or somebody knows something. What do we think? Okay, I think... Because uh, we did CrimeCon house arrest, and I sat through the lecture of famed forensic pathologist uh, Dr. Henry Lee talking about the staircase incident, and he put up a bunch of statistics—I was trying to find it, and then I got sidetracked—but about the likelihood that a person who's found with—or a person who is known to have been drinking or imbibing or taking drugs before their death, and then— that the obviously the likelihood is that that had some effect on him, like either not just an overdose, but in the staircase ladies incident, he thinks, you know, she fell down the stairs. And so among other things. So I think if you look at the logical thing, he probably opened the door to the construction site, fell in and I believe was buried further down than what canines could smell or fell beneath something that they couldn't smell through or etc.
1: Okay, I don't think I, that the canines I are.
0: Could, un, I don't think that the canines are infallible.
1: I wish we could see pictures of what the construction site looked like back then, mm-hmm. because if it was a twenty-foot hole that was being dug to build, you know, something, that's different than if it was just. Uh, a bunch of normal construction shit around you yeah, know what I mean there's different plane. levels of constructioning yeah yeah yeah
0: in Chicago they were digging out that spire for years and it was like 50 feet I mean it was like huge down in the ground it, was, it looked like the earth had opened up so something like that you fought on that you're not coming back and then also dogs aren't going to smell you you know if you're covered I, up that deep
1: my question with that theory is I, I I feel like he would have been seen
0: By workers? Yeah. That's what I wondered, too. Unless it's, you know, he falls down there at 2, 3 a.m. They start working at 4, 5 a.m. before dawn. And their job's like, today we're going to fill this hole with dirt. And then they just start filling the hole with dirt without even looking down in there. Because why would you?
1: Yeah, I feel like, I don't think that's a bad theory. And I think it's one of the more likely ones that could have happened. What I want to know and have the pieces filled in is more about that actual construction site, when they started working again, mm-hmm. what work they were doing in the day or two following that happening.
0: Because he went out on a Friday night, right? Yes. And then, so would have, in theory, died Saturday night into Saturday morning. And they probably weren't working over the weekend. That's what I was just going to say. Or, yeah, or were they? You know, you'd have to ask. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unless it was like, oh, it's a rush job or whatever. Um, yes, so I want to
1: know what kind- when they went back to work, what work they were doing was it daylight when they started? Mhm because all those things would help flush out that theory.
0: The other part of that theory is do you walk outside? you and a friend walk outside either there's an accidental issue or a altercation between two people or between two people and third party actor criminal actors and Brian is somehow killed, and he's pushed into it, and then covered up to where nobody would find him, even if they looked. And then you go, I don't want to take a polygraph. That
1: could be, or yeah, either, um, either Clint's involved, or what I think. So I think that Clint definitely knows something mm-hmm. that he, and it maybe it's it could be anything from. We were doing a bunch of coke that night. Mm-hmm. We uh had this relationship we didn't want people to know about. I uh walked outside with him and we got into a fight and I accidentally shoved him into a construction hole and he and he died. Like I I don't know what it is. Um but I think he does know something and that's the reason he doesn't want to take the polygraph. I think it's also possible that Brian left on his own through those doors. And was robbed, yeah. Because it was a really high crime area. I think maybe he walked out there. He's completely shit faced. He starts walking home. On his way to his apartment, he's robbed in a back alley. Something goes wrong. He gets killed, and they either put him in a dumpster mm. or shove him in a construction site. Yeah, that's true.
0: And and, and I, that a lot explains of it. Have,
1: yeah, a lot of people have said that. If he if it happened on a Friday, and he did get dumped in a dumpster, that they're probably gonna pick, that they're definitely gonna pick up the trash before anybody reports him missing and they start really looking on Monday. True, because it's bars and it's the weekend.
0: Yeah, I so think the it dumpsters was like are full. Sunday evening that his dad ended up calling. Yeah, him. yeah. So. so
1: before they even call that in, he may have already been picked up and taken to a landfill.
0: Yeah, that's horrifying. You'd hope somebody would see that when they were dumping the dumpsters, but maybe not. And again,
1: that's the same thing with the construct. Like, no theory am I completely rock solid on because (laughs) I think there's holes in all of them. Like, yeah, yeah, like, why wouldn't someone have seen him get dumped from the dumpster to the truck or the Mm -hmm. truck to the landfill? But it could happen. You know, I mean, in a lot of these, like, even though it might be unlikely, it could happen. That's true. Maybe he asked someone for a ride when he walked out of the the back entrance, and
0: he's buried on some land in the middle of Ohio. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is weird that a body's
0: never been found. I think that that's uh, Sergeant Hurst is right though. That somebody knows something. So if he was robbed, you know, walking home, the person that robbed him probably like told a story or you know, like to somebody and been like, oh, jack that guy, you know, whatever. I like, right. that's yeah. the dude, or maybe not, or maybe no. the person that did it said, I, I robbed a person and uh, I killed him last night and I didn't even know what their face looked like because I did it in the dark. Why do you think
1: he would have walked out that entrance? That <sighs> exit, rather?
0: That's a great question. Unless there was a verbal altercation and... He's like, I'm not leaving with you. F you, man! And turns around and like storms out. That would be one reason to leave out that way. Because a lot of people have said
1: it wasn't an exit that was easy to get to. It was like in a staff area and everything. Mm. They even had like, um, you know, stuff up because of of the construction and everything. I saw on Reddit one person post that. She worked at the bar during this time Mm -hmm. and that an an exit like that wasn't even a thing that they ever used. They came in and out the main Mm -hmm. entrance at the escalator like everyone else. She also said, though, that there was a temporary shaft elevator because of the construction, that they would take trash down. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, I mean... A shaft elevator is a whole other story.
0: Yeah, cuz you wouldn't see somebody down there. And then yep. if it's temporary, you pull all the machinery out and fill up the hole.
1: But that's the only place I've ever seen that. I mean, nothing I th- I think the cops would have known something like that was yeah. was on site. So I don't know. This is one that will continue to
0: just haunt me, haunt be my dreams. A, yeah, be a mystery. I th- I think somehow I mean, I think that's the door he went out because it's you have to really it's impossible that he went out any other door because there's cameras on all of them. Mm -hmm. And so you eliminate that. So he definitely went out that door. It's just a question of uh, beyond that. Everything is conjecture. Why he went out the door and then what happened on the other side of it. But if somebody does know something, hopefully they'll call it in.
1: Please do. Yeah, I think he went out that door and was either robbed and killed and his body was disposed of in that area, or perhaps Clint was with him, mm. and some something happened, and,
0: and that may be he got too. shoved
1: in something purposely or non-purposely, and like you said, just kind of got covered up and left for the construction workers to do their thing.
0: True, or if you, you know, open the door and your friend's getting robbed or chased or something and you don't do anything about it, do you feel so mm-hmm. guilty you don't want to tell the police? I think something like that, though, where it would be easily blamable on a third party where you can go, a guy with red hair, six foot tall, in a yellow shirt, chase my friend. I mean, you where you would have something helpful that wouldn't be, but we were out there and we were, you know, shoving each other and then he happened to fall, you know, where it wouldn't implicate you, why wouldn't you? If there was a robbery that Clint witnessed or was also a victim of.
1: I don't know. You're the one that won't take a lie detector <laughs> test, so you tell me. But I think if you're drunk and possibly have been doing coke all night, I yeah. think that's a very good reason why you wouldn't say anything. That's true. Because a lot of credibility goes out the window at that point
0: for you. And his lawyer's like, he's told you all he's going to tell you because they I mean, again, I can't drink that much anymore because my heartburn, but... Back in my drinking days, I mean, there are times that I'm like, how did I get home? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so something that happened between A and B, like, what I shrugged my shoulders. No one can see that in the air. But, you know, he he was out there. He did witness something. Something did happen. And he literally just does not remember because he was blackout drunk. That may be it. I've never also done cocaine while being drunk. I don't know if that makes you, you know, have better memory or worse memory. But... Either way, you know, if you're if his lawyers kept saying he's told the police everything that he knows, which may be I was looking for him. I remember after the bar closed, I remember before that, but there was like a 30 minute chunk or a 20 minute chunk that I don't remember. Yeah. And does that make him go, well, they're going to think I'm guilty if I tell him I don't remember.
1: And to your point of in our drinking days, there were times where we didn't know. What we were doing or how we got home, there are times when you'd be so drunk that you're like, oh, it makes perfect sense for me to go out the staff door into this construction site and then try and walk back around to the front to meet my friends because I got turned around in the halls of this bar Mm -hmm. going to the bathroom or or something. You know, you never know, like, it could be something so simple that got him out those doors.
0: Mm -hmm. That wasn't, he wasn't lured out there.
1: Yeah, yeah, so... Yep, it's a bunch of speculation and conjecture, but
0: that's what all these theories are, so. Cases like this and Bryce Pizza, it's like, you can't, there's, that one at least had a little bit more pieces to it, but there's just nothing to put together, unfortunately, yeah. for his brother. I do
1: not think he is still alive. I don't think he is living, unfortunately, a beach life somewhere. I know. Smoking and then listening to Buffett. Yeah, I, no. I, I do think that he is dead. I'm just... Still toying with how he how that happened.
0: How it happened and how to recover his body just so his brother had some closure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean if he is I guess down in the construction, it would take digging up the earth. Yeah. Like however many feet down that they were when they were doing the construction and having dogs go down there, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. a lot of money.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's... There was someone on Reddit that was saying, oh, it was such such an expensive project that they are not going to do that. And it would have been such an expensive thing to do. Millions of dollars to dig up all... Like, take down what's been built, dig up the concrete, dig up the filter, go, you know, go down in there. I wonder now if there's some t- type of technology that you could shoot something down into it and see, you know, shoot sonic waves or whatever it is down there and see if there's something down there. There is, move. I don't know how far while. down it
1: goes, but on um, the first season of Unsolved Mysteries, mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. use something like that to try and find a body that's been buried, they think, significantly underground. So, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it's money. Yeah. Does Derek have the money to fund something like that, unfortunately? Yeah. So, I don't know. If you were in this area at this time and you know anything about this construction. Yeah, yeah. I would love an email to to learn more about like what that all entailed and what it looked like, because I I wish I don't know why there's not more information on that. But if it's if there's something there, I think that that could be a big clue.
0: Yeah, for sure. Of how it was set up. You could Mm -hmm. either rule it out or at least know what would be a likely place to search.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, let us know what you guys think. There's a million different theories for this and no one, unfortunately, unless somebody's conscious just gets the better of them, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll really be able to know.
0: It's going to take somebody coming forward. hmm We love providing
1: Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the costs
0: of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Rolling the Airwaves tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including our fun new weekly wheels where we spin an actual game show wheel and talk about topics that you guys choose. You can suggest them to us on Patreon.
1: You also now have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We'll also be hopping on occasionally and hosting monthly Q&As where you can ask us all your burning questions.
0: For our patrons not in the U.S., you now have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership.
1: For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the banner on the top of the screen. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-outs.
0: So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. We recently added some new tote bags and socks, and we also have tons of cozy stuff for the winter, including beanies and sweatshirts, and they're all super cozy and warm. So if you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag, like t-shirts, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Shop across the top banner.
1: The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really
0: helps small podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy? I'm on Twitter at Christy
1: or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M Wallace. Heather? I'm on Twitter at
0: MCK vs. the World and on Instagram at Heather versus the World. As
1: always, the devil rules the airwaves.
0: Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shout-outs. Katie Schwartz-Drowns. Annie Cobb. Courtney Newman. Kate Motch-Sheehan. David Bolden. Nicole Kelly. Lori
1: Lyon. Ann B. Kelly Crowley. Karen Hochhalter. Lynn Ellis. And Christabel Talavera. Thank you, guys, so much for supporting the show. We couldn't do this without you. We sincerely appreciate it, especially during these trying times. We love you, stay safe, stay healthy and keep it creepy.
0: <laughs> Sinister